0: You have a copy of God's word once you find the book of first John. My name is Chad, and I hope this video finds you doing well. It is Easter week. And so if you don't know what that means, we're kind of fired up about Easter. I mean, we're here shooting this video, coming to you right now, because we believe that Jesus is alive. And, and we have this this book called the Bible that that, that exists because men and women they, they saw Jesus raised from the grave. One of those guys named John, who's we're gonna be reading some of his writings tonight. His life was radically impacted because he saw his, his best friend, Jesus, crucified. And then three days later, he saw him raised from the grave. And, and so we're, we're really excited. I just want to take a, an opportunity just to invite you to join us. With, we're with a church called Abundant Life. If you don't have a home church, we would love for you to, to join us for this weekend, Easter services online. You can go to livingproof.co and join us this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Well, when I, when I was 12, um, m- my dad, he decided to, to leave our family. And um, what happened as a result of that is, is that our world just began to fall apart. And so I found myself 13 years old uh, and it was summertime. I'm out of school and, and my mom, she's working a couple of jobs trying to make ends meet. My dad's doing, I don't know what's going on with him. One of my brothers is literally in Africa for the whole summer. And then my other brother was my oldest brother. He was driving at this time. He was working, socializing. And so I found myself with tons of downtime. It was like I was quarantined before quarantine was cool. You know what I'm saying? And so I was finding myself all of this downtime and I didn't have any direction. So I'm 13, here's what I'm doing. I'm playing PS2, Crash Bandicoot. I don't know if you remember those days. Anyway, I'm playing PS2. I'm chasing my cravings. You imagine, middle school boy, what that means. I. I'm calling people, I'm hounding people on the phone. Hey, what are you doing now? I've got I've got a, a cordless attached phone, just calling whoever I can figure out to call. And and I had all of this time without any direction. Here's what I learned Th- that the downtime without direction, um, at, at its best is just gonna lead you to distraction. And at its worst, it's gonna lead to destruction. And, and so how are you doing with your downtime? Like, like how's it going? I mean, we're, we're four weeks into this quarantine. And here's what research is telling us, is that um, pornography, it, it's skyrocketing right now. Uh, that, that alcohol cells and, and groups that you can be a part of to, to binge drink and, and record it, all of that's happening right now. Uh, that, that isolation is just being magnified as we are isolated, Right? And that there's all of these things that are playing out, that are surfacing during our downtime. And here's what I know, that if you don't have much direction during this downtime, uh, the, the best case scenario is that you're just going to be distracted. But the worst case scenario is that it's going to lead you to all sorts of destructive things. And so how are you doing with your downtime? Downtime. Like, I, I want to look back on this time. I don't know about you, but I want to look back on this time and, and kind of somehow be thankful for the quarantine. Like, like, I want to look back and be like, man, I, I learned some new things. I, I read some books. I grew closer in my relationship with God. I don't want to look back and go, man, I, I should have just got off of Instagram. I shouldn't have been so much on Netflix, and, and I, I really shouldn't have given over to my cravings like I did. And so I've titled this message, if you're taking notes, direction in the downtime, direction in the downtime. And I want to give you some things to do during your downtime. I also want to give you some things to believe. And then before we leave in our time together, I want to give you a decision to make. And so John, he, he's this guy that, that is that is writing this letter uh, to this church in Ephesus, and he's trying to help them know that they know Christ. And he's And he's talking to them about some things that they got to understand about Jesus, but he's also talking about the way they need to live if they want to you know, have confidence in their relationship with the Lord. And here's what he says in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 28. He says, and now. Now, this now is here because he's talking about all the things that he's already talked about. So in in light of everything that I've said, he's saying now I'm going to give you some things to do. So remember last week, if you didn't catch this, go back and listen to it. We talked about this amazing news that had gripped John, and he, he was abiding by it. And so we said, you've got to respond to the news. And so once you've responded to the news, here's what you do. He says, and now, little children, abide in him. That's a key phrase. You could underline that, abide in him, that when he ap- appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him now this word no is actually a, a two different words in the greek translation the first one is this like knowledge like if you if you understand that christ is righteous then then the second word for no is experience then you experience righteousness and, and so what he's saying is that your relationship with christ if you know him it should impact the way that you live point number one if you're taking notes you could write this down direction direction. The direction that John is giving us tonight is that you would abide in Christ. That when you abide in Christ, it gives you confidence because you've been cultivating this relationship with the Lord. And so I've got a question for you. Like if Jesus was to show up right now, like, would that be a good thing for you? Like if he was to bust into your apartment, into your living room, into your house, into your quarantine... Would that be a good thing? Would you be confident or would you be ashamed of how you've used your time? And so hopefully nothing would really change, right? Like if Jesus showed up on the scene, you would just be like, hey, bro, hey, good to see you in flesh, but but can we talk about what you were showing me in your word just a couple of days ago? Like Or, or, or Jesus, oh, wow, great to see you. Like, thanks so much for revealing that thing in me that I, I, you know, I've been wrestling with that, Lord, but thank you for the grace and revealing that so I could change from that thing. Like some of you are like, man, if, if, if Jesus were to show up, some of you are thinking this, like there would be questions you would ask him, like, Jesus, what are you doing with this whole Corona thing? Like there'd be questions you would ask him there. There'd be, there'd be times where you just pull out your journal and your pen and you was like, Jesus, would you just listen? Would you just speak? And I just want to listen to you. I want to learn from you. Like some of you, if Jesus literally showed up at your place, you would want to speak to him and you would want to hear from him. But, but here's the news, folks. You can do that right now. Like Christ is with us. He, he's made himself known in his word. You, you can speak to him right where you are. You can listen to him through his word. Write down some things right now. And this is what it means. This is the direction. This is what it means to abide in Christ. And so John, what, what he's teaching us is he's teaching us the basics of a relationship with Jesus. Like, let me show you my cards. We we long that everyone that's listening to this right now that you would have a right relationship with God. And once you have a right relationship with God, listen, you, you can access that relationship right now. But but you you know this, right? You know that relationships are real because they're worked, right? Like like we know that to be true. And so John he tells us like you, you've got to abide with the Lord. And so I'm 21 years old, been really following Christ for about a year and and I come across this concept that's all throughout scripture and this idea that we need to abide in Christ. And man, this has stuck with me for the last several years. Like just thinking about what does this look like practically? How, how can I abide with Christ? Like um, when I when I stepped into ministry, I actually titled my first ministry, it was called Abiding Branch Ministries, because this is such a key component in your relationship with the Lord. But, but, but what does it mean, right? That's the question we got to ask. If, if we're called to Abide in Christ, this is the direction that John has given us to leverage our downtime, to spend time with the Father. What does that even mean? Like, what what does this abide mean? Well, there's an old theologian named J.C. Ryle, and he says this, to abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with Him, to be always leaning on Him, resting on Him, pouring out our hearts to Him and using Him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. To have his words abiding in us is to keep his sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds, to make them the guide of our actions and the rule, listen, of our daily conduct and behavior. And so J.C. Ryle is is basically saying when you abide with Christ, you are close with him on the regular. And so that's what it is, but what does it look like? Well, let me just give you um, this little catchy acrostic TP TP. We, we've been hearing a lot about toilet paper. So TP TP. If you want to abide with Christ, you got a TP TP. All right. This is the things you need. You need a time and a place. That's the first TP, a time and a place. And then you need some tools and a plan. So if you're going to abide with Christ functionally, pick out a time. Maybe that's early in the morning for you, middle of the day, late at night. You got time. I know you got time. All right. Pick out a place. Maybe that's your bedroom. That's your living room where you could focus. All right. Where there's, there's minimal distractions. And then you need some tools, like you, maybe you got a study Bible, or you can hop online and get a Bible that has some commentary so that you can figure out some things, uh, a journal, a pen, so that you can interact with the text, and then you need a plan. So, so let's say you have all those things. What's your plan? Like, like functionally, how do you pray? How do you read? The, I think a lot of times people will say, hey, um, you, you've got a relationship with God? That's great. Now, now go pray and read your Bible. And you're like, all right, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go over here and go pray, and I'm, uh, I'm going to go over here and read my Bible. And you get over there, and you're like, all right, I'm supposed to pray. I think I'm supposed to like cross my hands. I'm like, all right, and I'll get my Bible. Where do I start? And, and it's just sometimes we are just told to go cultivate a relationship with a God, and we have no idea what that even means. Let me give you two things that you can do when it comes to prayer and Bible study. First of all, when it comes to prayer, you can just write down this word, A-C-T-S, Acts. And here's what that stands for. It's four things. That you can do when you pray the a stands for you can adore god just begin to to say to god when you close your eyes god thank you for being amazing for being awesome for being all-knowing just do a's then do b's whatever adore him the the c stands for you confess some things god i i need your help god i need you to move into my situation this has got me stressed out over here god i need to confess to you I, i did not do something that was pleasing to you and then the T stands for thanksgiving. God, I thank you for this. I thank you for that. You begin to thank God in your prayer time. And the S stands for supplication. That's just a big word that means what do you need God to supply you with? Adore him. Confess some things to him. Thank him. And then ask him to supply some things when you pray. And maybe that give you some direction during your downtime on how to pray and talk to God. Uh, the, the, the second thing when it comes to Bible study, let me give you another acrostic. It's the word soap. And here's what this stands for, is that you open up the Word of God, you, you read a passage of Scripture, and we're walking through 1 John, start there, and and you write down in the journal, you write down, S stands for Scripture, all right? Write down a verse that stuck out to you. O stands for observations. So you, you write down some thoughts based upon that Scripture. A stands for application. You, you say, okay, in light of this Scripture, is there a promise I need to believe? Is there a sin I need to repent of? Is there is there a call or a command I need to obey? And you apply some things, and then the P stands for Pray. And so this is what it functionally looks like for you to abide in Christ in your relationship with him that you pray and you get in his word. And so during your downtime, how are you going to leverage this moment? Uh, Winston Churchill he says this that we should never waste a good crisis. We should never we shouldn't waste this time. Like like I'm trying to give you direction So that you can cultivate the most important relationship that you have. And that's the one that you have with your maker. How are you doing? What are you doing? Are you abiding in him? Listen, the Holy Spirit, he does something unique in our life when we begin to uh, do these spiritual disciplines. It's like he does heart surgery on us. Like we open up his word and we begin to pray and God begins to change us from the inside out. And we all need that during this time. Make no mistake, this time is a test. That God is hes trying to reveal and expose some things in all of us. Our pastor this past weekend, he said this, that idleness, it reveals our idolatry. And so pay attention to how you're spending your time and what you're spending your time on. And it will, it will reveal to you what matters most in your life. And so some of y'all are tiktok your days away. Uh, You're on Instagram. You're streaming things. You're 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 just busying your life with all of these trappings of the world, and they are distracting you. I'm not trying to say any of those things are wrong, but if you are not slicing out and carving out time to cultivate your relationship with the Lord, man, you're missing out on the opportunity that God has afforded you. So, so today we're in downtown Kansas City, and about a year ago, uh, I took my wife down here for a little weekend getaway, and. And so we, uh, we got a hotel room and a fancy hotel, and we went to a nice steakhouse, and man, it was an incredible weekend. We don't do this a whole lot, and some of y'all, if you know me, we have three little girls, and so the fact that we could carve out a, a couple of days to get into the city and just devote to one another, man, this was a big deal, all right? So here, here's what I did. I eliminated all distractions, all right? I, I opened up the calendar, and I got away with, with the most important person in my life, my wife. I want you to imagine that I've done all of this stuff. I've eliminated all the distractions. We've gone to the hotel. We've got all the plans laid out. And then we get into the hotel room and I just pull out my phone and I'm just like on Instagram the whole time. Or I'm I'm, I'm like, hey, she's like, hey, Chad, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to find something to watch on Netflix. She would be like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. No, I, I want you to cultivate this relationship. And so I need you to not be busy with all of those things. And listen, if I would have done that, I would have missed the moment to cultivate our romance. And I share that with you because I think that's a picture of the opportunity that God has given us to cultivate our relationship with Him. Like He, he has, we, we are forcefully having to, to, to eliminate distractions from our calendar, right? It's like we have been quarantined. We've been isolated. We have downtime. What are you doing with it? And God wants to do something profound in you during this time. Don't waste it, Paradigm. Don't waste it. John, he goes on to say this in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Behold. Now, this is like an emphatic. Like There's almost like John just raises his voice. He gets a little excited here. And then also, it's it's not only just like a, like, let's go. It's, it's also a command. And so he says, Behold, what manner of the love, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And so, what John is saying is like, listen, 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 you got to get this. God is crazy about you. Like, God loves you. And some of y'all, you have a hard time believing that, but the word of God is emphatic that he loves you. It, it, this should kind of almost blow your mind when we consider. The amazing love of God. Listen, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, this love, it defines you. Nothing else defines you. Not your past. not, Not that one night stand that you had. If you have a divorce on your record, that doesn't define you. Not that weekend romp that took place when you were in college. Your depression doesn't define you. Your orientation doesn't define you. Your isolation doesn't define you. Your failures, maybe just in the last couple of weeks during this quarantine, doesn't define you. If you know Jesus, His love defines you. He's your father. Fathers name their children, right? So I have I have three kids, and when they came out, I didn't ask my kids what they wanted to be named, right? They couldn't even talk. They looked at me, the daddy, and said, "What do you want to name this child?" And I named each one of those children. Why? Because I'm their daddy, and God is our Father. And he loves us, and he is the one that defines us. Point number two if you're taking notes, you could write this down definition. Definition. Listen, what makes a person a Christian is not their love for God, but it's his love for them. And I don't think we understand this. Like, I think we have a hard time really wrapping our mind around this. Like, we feel loved by God when we feel lovable, right? Like when we're doing good, uh, when we haven't sinned that bad, you know, we think, okay, you know, I bet God loves me. I bet he's pleased with me. But listen, God's love for you has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. C.S. Lewis says he loves us not because we're lovable, but because he is love. And we need to wrap our minds around this. Like, like here's what I know. Regardless of what I do with this sermon, God loves me. Like, like you could thumbs down this sermon. You could stop it right now. But here's what I know. God has already subscribed to the YouTube channel. He has already thumbs up the message. And he's already shared it with all the angels. Like, check out my boy, man. They're like, well, he don't preach real good. He's like, I know, but I'm crazy about it. And God loves me regardless of what happens in my life or what anyone thinks about me. This is what defines me, that he loves me. And this love is extended to everyone that's hearing this right now. See what manner of of the love that God has he's lavished upon us. Like, here's what I know, that my picture is on God's screensaver on the background of his iPhone. Like, he looks, he's crazy about me, and he's crazy about you, too. He loves us. So, when I was um, first studying God's word, I memorized this verse in in a different translation, and and I think it really captures the heart of this verse a a little bit better. It says this, see, it says this, it says, see what manner that the love of God has lavished upon us that we would be called his sons. Now, I love this word lavish. That's the word that it uses. It really captures the heart. This word lavish in, in the dictionary, it literally means that, that it's sumptuously rich. It's, it's elaborate. It's luxurious. It bestows something in generosity or in extravagant quantities. It, it literally, lavish comes from this Latin word that means a deluge of rain. So, so I'm a shower guy. Like I just, I love big showers and like my brother, he just built this amazing house. And, and it, when I walked into his master bathroom, it looked like my, it looked like my brother had installed a drive-through car wash, right? I mean, this shower is amazing. It's got like the rain thing coming from the ceiling, body sprayers. It's got like the wavy things in the car. I'm just kidding. It had that, but it has all of these things. And like, when you get in there, you just are getting a deluge of rain. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm so um, like not resourceful in the shower, that that I'll forget that I washed my hair. Like I'll I'll be getting out of the shower, and thinking, did I wash my hair? And then I'll just get back in, turn the water back on, and just wash my hair again for good measure. And I just I love being underneath the the rain and the waterfall. Listen, I share that with you because God has a shower, like a drive-through car wash of love for you. That that, that God is he has lavished his love upon us that we would be called his children and that is what we are. And you've, you've got to grab a hold of this. You've got to wrap your mind around this, that God is not frugal in his love. Like God's not trying to budget his love. And he's not looking at you going, I don't think we can afford to give love to that one. We're kind of running tight this month. No, he He gives his love away greatly. He His love is rich, it's infinite, it's lavish, just like we sang earlier, if his love was an ocean, we would all be sinking in. And listen, what you need to know about his love is that it's also not arbitrary. It's not ethereal. It's not feelings. And so when John is writing this, he says, see how great the, the love that the Father has lavished upon us. When he says that, like he, he's connecting that to an event that he saw when his friend Jesus hung on a cross and he poured out his love that God demonstrated his love. And so it's not just some hollow statement like a middle school romance, all right? This is a reality that's been demonstrated in history. And so here's what I know. Jesus, he doesn't reject anybody that comes to him. And so maybe right now when you're listening to this, maybe you feel like, man, God doesn't, he doesn't know what I've done. I mean, like there's no way that God could forgive me. I'm just too bad. Listen, that's just not true. John was there when Jesus is literally hanging on a cross. Jesus was crucified between two other men. One man on his right, one on his left. John was there. He heard Jesus say this, that that one of them cried out to Jesus and he was mocking him. He's like, if you're the son of God, why don't you save yourself and then save us? And then on the other side of Jesus was another criminal that was saying, Lord, would you remember me in paradise? And Jesus looks, he's, he's in between these two people, he looks at one that is rejecting him and mocking him, one that is that is coming to him and asking for mercy, and Jesus looks at the one that is a criminal being crucified next to him. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' love is extended to all. It's not arbitrary, it's not false, it's not hollow. But his love is rooted in the reality that he laid down his life for every person. Why would you reject that? Why wouldn't you want the love of your maker lavished upon you? Why wouldn't you want forgiveness and mercy and grace? This is the heart of the gospel. And so I hope that you would receive this love tonight. John, he goes on, he says this, therefore the world does not know us because it didn't know him. Like, like what he's saying is that, that once you receive that love, it begins to uh, allow you to be changed into the likeness of Christ. And like, so some of y'all have seen this, right? Like you've seen this over the break that some of y'all, you've been following Jesus for a couple of months and then everything has, has kind of just gone crazy in our culture. And and, and you're the person that people are going to for stability and answers. And, and you're just kind of like, I, this is crazy that God is using me. And then, and then like you found yourself on the phone with somebody and you just, you didn't know you were going to say this, but you said, Hey, could I pray for you? And you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm the one praying for people right now. You know, it's like, because God is working in your life because you understand his love and, and you're beginning to look like Jesus. In verse 2, he goes on, he says, beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Like, like what John's saying, you keep abiding with God, and you're going to grow into Christ's likeness. It'll be gradual, but you will make progress. Verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. What we're saying is when you understand the love of God, it begins to change you from the inside out. Verse four, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he he being Jesus was manifested to take away our sins. That's a key verse or key phrase, take away our sins and in him, there is no sin. So, so John's reminding us of who Jesus is, that Jesus came to take away the penalty, the power and the presence of sin. He came to take away the penalty of sin. This is a big word called justification so that we can have right standing with God. Jesus came to take away that penalty. Then he also came to take away the power of sin. It's a big word called sanctification. It just means that you are made into the likeness of Jesus. And then John goes on, he says this, then in verse six, he he says, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. All right, let's just stop for a second, right? Because some of y'all are listening to this and you're thinking, uh uh-oh, like, I, I thought I was abiding in Christ. It seems like John's almost trying to convince us we're not Christians at times, right? You know, and so I'm like, what, do, what is he saying? here? now when you look at this in the original language, it really helps you understand the, the heart of what John is saying. In the original language, what he's saying is when, when you uh, sin, it means that you're habitually doing that, okay? So he's saying that whoever abides in him does not habitually or willfully sin. You don't make a practice of sinning. He says, whoever practices sins, whoever willfully sins and habitually sins has neither seen him nor known him. And so what he's saying is that you cannot have habitual sin in your life where you are choosing, you're planning your sin and be, be submitted to Christ as your Lord and your Savior. It doesn't work. Now, if you sin from time to time, if you mess up, we're all human. Uh, that, that's going to happen. So so don't rule out your salvation because you had a, a moment of frustration, right? Like even this last week, my dishwasher broke. So on top of everything, I had to go fix my dishwasher. And it was one of those things I thought was going to be easy. But by the time I was actually close to fixing the dishwasher, I just wanted to pick it up and hulk that thing and slam it and then throw it out the door, right? And then my wife comes in and she's like, oh, what's that smell? And I'm like, you be quiet, you know, and I start getting firm with her and then to, to layer on top of that, we were about to Zoom with a couple and invest in their relationship. And then we were like, well, first of all, maybe y'all need to invest in our relationship. We need to apologize to each other because I just had some frustrations that I just wanted to take out on my wife because the dishwasher frustrated me and they we're quarantined. I'm just, it was kind of a breaking point for me. You know, and now if, if I take that and go, that is evidence that I'm not a Christian, that's a problem. See, it's not so much when we mess up, but it's how we respond to the mess up. And God wants to cleanse us from our sin. And he's already told us that if we say that we are without sin, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. And so he's telling us that we don't habitually and willfully sin and follow Jesus. That's what he's saying here. I wonder, have you made a practice of sin during the shut-in? And maybe some of you are thinking, no, I've been pretty squeaky clean. Well, Well, let me ask this. How have you been abiding and cultivating your relationship with Christ? And let me just throw out a definition of sin if you are not abiding and cultivating your relationship with Christ, you are not doing the good that you know you ought to do, which is a sin. And so how are you doing with your sin during the shut-in? And Christ wants wants us to have victory. He wants us to understand who God is. He wants us to understand who we are. And he wants us to understand what it means to follow him. That he came to take away the penalty and the power of sin. But he also came ultimately to take away the presence of sin. This is glorification. This is a big word. And and this is the truth that we hang on to as believers of Christ. That one day, that you're not going to struggle. Like in eternity, you will not struggle with lust. In eternity, you will not struggle with fear and anxiety. That one day, Christ is going to remove the presence of sin in totality. But in the meantime, we fight And we cling on to our relationship with the Lord. John, he goes on in verse 7. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Now, again, you got to understand the order that John is going in. He calls you children and then he gives you a behavior that our new birth always precedes our new behavior. It's not the other way around. We receive the righteousness of Christ and then we go live righteous. We don't have to live righteous in order to receive the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't say, hey, you go act like children of God and then maybe you'll become a child. And he addresses us as who we are. Our new birth, little children, leads to new behavior. It goes on in verse eight, he says, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the, from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Again, he's talking about you don't make a practice of sin. And so like, I remember reading this text when I was a young adult and like this messed with me y'all. Like again, I've said this before, but I wish the Bible just wasn't so clear. Like I I wish that I could justify my hypocrisy a little bit easier. But when you read this, it's just kind of like, man, it is, is what I claim to believe really affecting my behavior? And that's where I was. What I claimed to believe was not affecting my behavior. And so my behavior was revealing that what I claimed to believe was not real. And so what do you believe? Because here's what I know, that we say what we think, but we do what we believe. And if this text has caused some questions in your life, that's not a bad thing. And allow God to begin to examine your heart. And and it may lead you to make a decision that you need to repent and change some things. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down, decision. Decision. What decision do you need to make as a result of hearing this passage? Anytime the word of God is, preached, it demands a response. And so some of you listening to this message right now, the the decision that you need to make, you you need to repent and refocus. Let me explain what I'm talking about. So right now I am positioned properly to have the best focus that you can have. Now that may not be a good thing for some of y'all, but my wife, she likes the, the focus that's going on. But when I get out of this position and I begin to walk in a place That is not positioned properly, I begin to lose my focus. And this is a picture of some of y'all right now. You have left the position where you had the focus, and now you're distracted in your downtime, and it's causing all kinds of problems and dysfunction in your life. And here's what you need to do you've got to repent and refocus. Repent means that you return to the position where you had the focus. So some of y'all, you need to say, God, I'm recognizing this tonight, and I'm going I'm to ask you to give me the power to return to the position that I once was in. And once you get in that right position, now you got the focus that you need to be able to cultivate the relationship that you have with God. And so that looks like this. You get on your knees, and you, you begin to pray, adore, confess, thanks, su- supplication. You get into his word, you, you open up, you study the scripture, observation, application, prayer. And you begin to cultivate your relationship with the Lord and abide with him. That's the decision you need to make. Don't waste this time. Others of you, you can't cultivate a relationship that you don't have. And maybe you're listening to this and, and, and as you kind of consider your your life with, with God and your relationship with God, like there hasn't been a defining moment in your life where you, where you've turned from your sin and you've trusted him as savior. And so what I want to do just with the next few minutes is I want to invite you to ask Christ to save you. If you don't know Christ and, 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 and you had, don't have a defining moment in your life with him. It's as simple as this. All right. You, you admit that you're a sinner, you believe that Jesus died for your sin and that he rose from the grave and then you confess him as Lord. The scripture it tells us that if we confess Jesus as Lord, then we will be saved. And so I want to invite you, if you want to trust Christ for the first time, I want to invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to lead you in a, a prayer. And it goes just like this. Go ahead, close your eyes. You bow your head right where you are and start in a relationship with Jesus. 1st You're drawing a line in the sand. You're making a decision tonight and I want you to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I've done some things that are displeasing to you. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin on the cross and that you rose from the grave to show your love for me. And I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Please save me right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, hey, if you prayed that prayer or, or, or you, 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 you have questions about what that means functionally, we want to invite you just to text the word RESPOND to 816-945-9685. And we want to just have a conversation with you. A young adult would reach out to you and just say, hey, what does this look like in your life? Do you have any more questions about a relationship with Christ? And we would love to help you have the tools you need to be able to succeed in your life in Christ. Others of you, maybe, maybe you know Christ and you need to repent and refocus. And that's the decision that you need to make tonight. And, and man, if you're if you're alone, I was talking with a guy the other day and, and he just, he knows all of this, but he's just isolated. Maybe we could help you get connected to a a digital community so that you can get support around you so that you can begin to abide in Christ. And we would love to serve you in that way. Reach out to us. Text, respond, 816-945-9685. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. I pray that you would help us just to honor you. God, I pray that we would maximize this quarantine, God, that we would take advantage of our downtime, that you would give us direction to cultivate our relationship with you. God, I pray if someone doesn't know you that they would come to know you, that they would have prayed that prayer. If they prayed it, God, they would reach out to us so that we could connect with them. I pray for my friends that are isolated, that are they, they know you, but they're just far from you because they haven't been spending time with you. God, that they would reach out and you would help them get connected to to community even if it's digital, even if it's in this time of quarantine. God, I pray that we would be your men and your women and you'd help us to honor you in Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this video. If you would like to respond in any way, we wanna invite you to text the word RESPOND to the number below. Also, we're gonna be doing Instagram Live tonight at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Just to chop up tonight's message, why don't you hop on and join us? Paradigm underscore KC on Instagram. And last but not least, we're going to be celebrating Easter this weekend. And if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us digitally, of course. Go to livingproof.co for more information. Have an incredible week of worship.